Luke chapter 18. We're going to start there in verse 1 through 5. When Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, a certain town, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. So last week we talked about the perfect church. Amen, you remember that? And what a perfect church does. Well, we know that they pray, they're filled with the Spirit, and they're united with Jesus. The week before that, we looked at the perfect people of the perfect church. Remember that? And we had the Sherman tank who rolls over people, the volcano, you don't know when they're going to blow up. The thumb sucker is always looking for pity. The space cadet who doesn't know who they are or where they are or where they're at. The wet blanket who's always crying, complaining. The garbage can who loves to gossip. And the user, the manipulator. And we determined that those people are in our church. Because they belong. They're the perfect people for the perfect church. So what was my point is, we all need help. Amen? We all have shortcomings. And in fact, we even broke it down. We, we found that every one of us at one time or another were all those people. Right? Have those tendencies. But God chose the people like that to make up the perfect church. So today, I want to look at the perfect prayers. Right? Because many times people come to me and say, Pastor, why is it that I just cannot seem to get my prayers through to God? And I found several problems that we're going to look at. But before we get into them, let's pray. Father, I ask, Lord, that you continue to move in people's lives. That we would be open to you, Holy Spirit, to receive what you have for us. God, I ask that you would take these perfect people that make up the perfect church and teach them how to offer up perfect prayers unto you. I pray in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen and amen. So why aren't we being as effective as we could be in our prayer life? Now, I'm saying that because I'm, I'm imposing upon you that most people are not as effective as they could be. I share a statistic, and uh, this is from several years ago. But the average Christian, and again, when I'm talking about prayer, not counting prayers for your breakfast, lunch, and dinner, because those don't normally count. You know, you're blessing your food. But the average Christian prays anywhere between 7 and 14 minutes a week. That's heavy, huh? Pray. Uh, my, my point is, Christians, for the most part, don't pray. You have other faiths who would actually set aside time and pray six times a day. You have others that would set aside days and pray and go into continual prayer. But Christians, 
which is ironic, who have the most access to the most powerful force in the universe, the Holy Spirit. And the only way to access that is through prayer. Don't do that. Why? Well, the enemy understands the power that is available to you, so he interrupts you. He, he sidetracks you. He makes prayer the worst time of the day rather than the best time of the day. Hello, is anyone here? Is my mic still on or they're not off? So before we get to, to, to look at those issues that are, that are, that are very important, right, we have to understand many never receive an answer from God, first for one reason, because they haven't prayed. You can't get an answer if you don't ask, right? You have not because you ask not. God's word teaches us that, uh, that if we don't get most of the time because we don't ask. I, always, I, I had a thing for years. I don't do it anymore, but I used to, I used to uh, do it with my kids when they were younger, my wife. I go, watch, everywhere I go, I park in the front. They're, no, you don't. I go, yes, I do. Why? Because that's my little thing with God. So I always get a front parking, and I, told them, I would tell them, I have the front parking anointing. So I go to any mall, any store, anywhere, anywhere, concerts, football games, I don't care. I'd always get a parking in the front. So we drive in, and I go, go to the front. He goes, why? Because I asked God, we have this thing going on, and he's going to give me a parking in the front. He goes, it's packed. Go to the front. We go to the front, there's a parking. See, you have not, because you ask not. Now, that's not a big thing, but it was something between me and the Lord. I would say, I would challenge God, God, well, you know, if you could create the heavens and the earth, this is not a big deal. It's not a, really a big deal to me either. I just want to see what you're able to do. And the little thing, just to humor me. And he took the time to humor me. Now I kind of pull back. I don't really chip off that anymore. But I did that for a number of years. Amen? Now Jesus says, until now, he's talking to the disciples, and he said, until now, you've asked nothing by name. Now he's telling the disciples, ask, and you will receive. So there's two categories of problems. Where, so we all face spiritual barriers that cut us off from God's power. That's the first problem. Every one of us are going to be faced with spiritual barriers. That's why most Christians don't pray. See, the devil doesn't care about other prayers because they're not, they're ineffective. They're not going to harm him. But he is terrified by a praying man or woman. So he'll do everything in his power to keep you from praying. Right? He will do it. He'll throw it out there. Second thing, we misuse. Now listen, we misuse spiritual forces through the way we pray, and we limit the power we have. Right? Um, you, 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 you read through our scripture where the Bible says that we can say things that are, that are not as though they are. Now, I, you know, some people just hear that and it just goes right over them. That's pretty heavy. If God says you can say things that are not as though they are, in essence, you have that power that he has to speak things into existence. I mean, if they're not here and you can speak it into existence, that's pretty powerful. But how many people actually use that? Now, that doesn't mean you go outside, you look at the parking lot, you go, I see a Lexus. No, 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 no. That's a misuse. That's a lie. The devil will bless you like that. No, -uh. See, when you're using that power, that power is only for one thing and one thing only. God's purpose. See, that's where the selfishness of Christianity in America gets into play. They take these principles and try to make them fit 
and make it a man-centered gospel. It's not a man-centered gospel. The power of prayer is only for God's purposes, not for our purpose. Right? Could you imagine if that was our purpose? Every single man would see some number 10 model. God, I claim that in the name of Jesus. And you're uglier than mud. I'm sorry, dude. You ain't going to get it. God doesn't work that way. Amen? You're going to have to get a JLB and prove it. Amen? That's, a, that's, that's the old-fashioned way. No. See, we, can't, we cannot misuse the anointing and the power that God has presented to us. It's for his purposes. Say God's purpose. Not our purpose. Amen? See, there's areas. And the first thing that we have to address, if you're not, if you're going to start praying, or if you've been praying, all of us have unrecognized sin in our lives that hinders our prayer. Right? And there's things, we, you know, the obvious sin, we know it's obvious sin. But there are things in our life that we don't even recognize that are sin. Maybe we're just so used to being a certain way, so used to doing a certain thing, and we don't even think it's sin, right? But see, those unrecognizable sins will, will affect the way your prayer life is. Psalms 66, 18 reads, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, my Lord would not have listened. Unrecognized. See, the realization, not just unconfessed, but the realization, again, you know, I thought it was normal when I, when I was walking around until I met my wife. And I realized either she is really weird or I'm not normal because we didn't think the same. I mean, I had a weird way of thinking, and I, but I thought I was normal. I didn't realize I, was, I had a weird way of thinking because you know, that's how I am until I joined the army. And then when I joined the army, I, I would meet people from other parts of the world, and then they begin to tell me, you're a crazy dude. There's something wrong with you. And I go, I'm, I'm, I'm normal. Everybody in my neighborhood like this. Ah. So I was convinced that the, my actions were normal when in fact they weren't. I didn't realize there was something wrong with me. Paul says, unless the law told me what I was doing was wrong, I would have never known. Hmm? So God, you have to ask God to, to begin to make you realize what is wrong and what is right. It says in the New American Standard, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Regard mean, means if you think the way you are acting is okay, but when it's not, God won't listen to you. So you're going to have to ask God, God, show me. Show me if my ways are right or if they're wrong. Because we can't trust our own judgment or our own convictions until we raise our convictions to the level of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. Uh, see, God wants to answer our prayers, but sometimes he can't. Because he can't even hear you. Your sin is so loud, he can't hear your request. It's like the husband who always say, I'm, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Ladies, you ever have an old man like that? I'm sorry, I won't do it again. And you said, okay, you, you give it, you, yeah, okay. First time, it's cool, right? He does the same thing again. Oh, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. You start looking cross-sided. I don't know. Third time, if he does it again, ladies, what's going to happen eventually? I don't want to hear you. I can't hear you're sorry no more because your actions are speaking too loud. So I can't hear your prayer because your, your, your life, your sin 
it, it, it's too loud. See, before I ask God for anything, right, I, ha I have to ask God to rearrange me before I can rearrange my circumstances. Things are going around. Yeah, okay, yeah, they are. God, help me in this area. But don't ask for God to help you in these areas. Ask God to rearrange you. And you watch. When you rearrange you, all of a sudden, your life begins to change. And you go, wow, look what's happening. Things are changing. Huh? Why? Because you're changing. Oftentimes, the problem isn't the problem. Oftentimes, the problem is here. I've seen the enemy, and it's us. Hello? Uh, Isaiah, in Isaiah 59, he says this in verse 1 and 2. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is his ear too dull to hear. But your sin has separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Uh, so he cannot hear our, our prayers if we don't understand and begin to rearrange us. Uh, and the longer I've been serving the Lord now, it's going on 35 years, the more I realize I need help. I have to rearrange me if I want anything more to happen. It's not anything else. It's here that I got to fix. I got to keep asking God, God, rearrange me. Rearrange me in such a way that I'm in line with and in tune with what you want me to do. Rearrange me. Do you hear me, Lord? See, before I pray for a, a, a change in, in circumstances, I pray for a change in character. I need a better character. Huh? All successful prayer begins with the confession of any unknown sin. Now, we're not talking about the known the unknown, those are the tricky ones, the little things that we're just not aware and we think we're okay and we're not okay. Well, at the moment we confess that sin, it opens, opens up a channel to God and then he can begin to truly work for us. See, the perfect prayer begins with the confession of unrealized sin. So then you have to have a forgiving spirit. So you don't want to be that person who's unforgiving, very critical. You know, you can't do anything right. Peter was talking to uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter 18. And, and you all familiar with that story. And he said, he's asking Jesus, Jesus, you know, how many times can, a, can somebody do me wrong? How many times can, can somebody hurt me? And then Peter was getting real, you know, getting holy, goes up to seven times. You know, I'm bad. I can forgive a guy seven times. You know, you do me wrong seven times by day. And then Jesus said, no, 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 no. Up to seven times seven. Huh? Up to seven times seven times a day. So that same person should be able to do you wrong and you have to forgive them 49 times a day. That's heavy. 49 times a day. And then we, we, we don't want to forgive them. See, if you hold that unforgiveness... And then you want to pray to God, oh, almighty, omnipotent Father in heaven, please answer my if prayereth. And the God said, wait, wait, wait a minute. You're still holding unforgiveness. Huh? See, in the Gospels, Jesus often connects forgiveness with answered prayer. How often? And we've all got that special someone in our life. You know what I'm talking about? That special someone that gets under your skin. That special someone that you just want to avoid. 
You know, that one that takes extra love. You know, I call them EGR, extra grace required, because those are the ones, ooh, they're so hard to forgive. Anybody got one of those or just me? So that's the, yeah, I, I'm going to tell you why you got one. You know why you got one? Because God has to work on your unforgiveness. Not work on them. God is working on you. And the moment you're able to have to release and have that have a forgiving spirit, those people won't bother you anymore. All of a sudden you go, wow, those, those people are changing. No, they're not changing. It's the same person. But you don't have that unforgiving spirit. They just don't affect you no more. You've gotten over that hump. Amen? Amen. So our relationship with, 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 with others must be right before our relationship with God can be right. Huh? That, that's where it begins. See, a perfect prayer lives in a spirit of forgiveness. And after you're, you've dealt, dealt with yourself and you're forgiving, then you have to have a, have a, a, a surrendered will. You have to be surrendered to God because an unsurrendered will will hinder, will, will hinder you. James 4.3 says, even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole motive is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You want only what will give you pleasure. We're always asking for what we can have for us. Huh? James reminds us that, that it's our motive that often determines our answer. What, what, why are you praying? What do you need? Right? You know, it's like, 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 like the husband said, oh, God, just change my wife. Oh, you want a better wife? Then be a better husband. Mm, can I say that again? That's a, you, don't, you don't pray like that. No, you got to pray for your will to be surrendered to God. You be better under God, and you watch. Things will get better. It's an amazing thing that happens. Uh, see, James reminds that our motive. See, I remember years ago, James Dawson, who, who was the founder of Focus on the Family, he said this years ago, and he was talking to parents who had unruly children. They were all messed up, never behaved. And they were all, you know, what can I do for my children? And Dobson said something, great, great answer. He goes, if you treat the parent, the kids will get better. Oh, Rasha Takaram, right? If you treat the parents, the kids get better. Because everything the kid learns and does was learned, was taught by somebody. Well, reflections are bright. Amen? Deep in the heart of Texas. Huh? Because of this, God never effectively answers their prayer when you have the wrong motive. You're going to have the right motive. So we have to understand, oftentimes we don't get what we want. We don't receive, but we ask wrong. See, a perfect prayer is lifted up by a surrendered will. You surrender your will to God, and you're willing to do anything that God has for you to do. Once you surrender, all of a sudden your prayer begins to change. And then you begin to think about other people. And really, that, that, that's another important foundation to prayer. See, Psalms 33, 13 reads, From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. He sees everybody. So, I'm, you know, you, you, some of you will need to change the song. It's all about me, right? It's not all about you. See, when you're praying, you have to understand God is looking at everybody that you affect. So if I answered your prayer, will that affect those people around you? 
And if it does, how does it affect them, good, bad, or indifferent? So when God answers your prayer, he's not just looking at you. He's looking at everybody around you. Sometimes we ask for things that if we got it, it would hurt the brother next to you. So do you think God would hurt the brother next to you just because you wanted something? No, that would never happen, right? So we, we can't have a disregard for others in our prayer life. It'll make our life non-effective. It's like me. I can't move from it to any city I want. I mean, I could if I wanted to, but guess what? Every move I make, I consider all of you. So because of that, I understand Paul is, I am now a slave of Christ Jesus. Why? Because I can't make a move unless my move benefits everyone here. And if my move hurts somebody, then I got to hold back. Is that the right move? So when I'm praying, I, I pray like, I don't just pray, oh, me, 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 me. I have to pray, us, 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 us. And the problem with most people, most people only pray with them at the center of their prayer. And they're not really worried about anybody else. It's just me, myself, and Irene. Huh? Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Our prayer life may not be effective as it could be because we pray selfishly. You only consider your life. Sometimes what you want may not be good for everybody else. And never forget, we started in the beginning, God has got a purpose. What is his purpose for you? What is his purpose for us? Is there a purpose? Do you care about a purpose? And that's, that's, that's the thing I find difficult. So I want to drive it in, drive it in, because all I care about is God's purpose. But I have found that most people don't care about God's purpose like I do. All they care about is their own life. Now, I care about your life, but your life will be best suited if it locks into God's purpose. Huh? But convincing people of that is a, is, a, is a tough task. Amen? So when God sees me, he evaluates his purpose. He looks at me, here's my prayer, his purpose, he looks at you. Is he forgiving? Is there sin? All these things are very important aspects of our walk if we're going to be effective in our prayer life. Right? So the individual is just part of the picture. Our prayer must also be good for his purpose and for people around us. So a perfect prayer incorporates God's purpose, which leads me right to the next thing, because God is sovereign. Sovereign, that means king. He's in charge. Huh? Our prayers are ineffective when we do not understand God's sovereignty. He's king. He's Lord of all. Amen? Is anybody else the Lord? No. We want to be king, but God is sovereign. He is the Lord. See, if, could you imagine if God answered all your prayers? We would change, change our name. You'd be God. We'd make you in charge. Oh, no. God is sovereign. Sometimes he's going to tell you, no. Could you imagine that? You got a prayer? You say, yeah, 10 of them. Out of 10 of them, maybe 8 of them, he'll tell you, no. Are you going to accept that? Because some people, you know, some people, they don't accept no for an answer. I, 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 people come counseling. They come talk to me. And I go, no, bro. Then they go, somebody else. No, no, bro. They're waiting for somebody to say yes. Oh, yes. Here's a yes. I like this guy. They're not looking for an answer. They're looking for their way. Hmm? Let me come in for a conclusion. Oh, let me say this. 
Again, if all your prayers were answered, you, not God, would be in control. Hmm? Remember, God is not a puppet. No, or a genie. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, is like coming for a landing. Luke 18, 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. That was the parable of that lady. They should always pray and not give up. You know, people, you know, several scriptures that they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. And the famous one is, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. And some people, people being people, distorted that whole message. And now they, they repeat it and they've created a whole faith behind the Our Father. And that's not what was the intent. That was a model of prayer, a format of prayer. You're not supposed to repeat it over and over and over and over. Right? That was a model. Well, here's the other model. To never stop praying. Right? See, instead of going to the Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be the name, you think you're a prince, doing some kind of song. No. He says, always pray. Always pray. Never give up. Always pray. So, as I close with this, prayer should be constant. Constant. What does that mean? We should be a life of prayer. The soul, that soul which has ever turned toward God, prays sometimes when it doesn't even know that it's praying. You should always be in a state of prayer. Always with the mindset of God. Constant. There's no other way to constantly pray. Other, but your soul, your, your God conscious, everywhere you go, you're taking your walk with God. You're taking your talk with God. You're always thinking about God. You're, you're in constant prayer. And sometimes that soul who's focused on God doesn't even know they're praying. It's just what they do. Our whole life should be one connected prayer. Every single day you walk in, pray. Prayer is the soul. Prayer is to the soul, rather. Prayer is to the soul what the nerves of the body are to the mind. Huh? Prayer. Prayer is our lifeline of communication. Now, think about it. How many really understand the supernatural? The spiritual realm. Now, we talk mostly, but we know it's there. We know it exists, but we're not really, we won't get it completely. But that's where the power's at. And prayer is the only line of communication to that realm that we don't understand. Prayer. So we all recognize, wow, the heavenlies and spiritual beings and, and anointing and power. We all talk about it. We live in it. And the only way to get there is through prayer. That, that, that's amazing to me. That would be like going and buying a brand new, what they got now, the iPhone 11. Go get an iPhone 11 right now. It just came out. That's like getting an iPhone 11 and not getting the chip to activate it. You look good. You walk around like, yeah, I got iPhone 11, yeah. Does it work? Got no service, but it got, I got iPhone 11. Christians are like that. They're walking around with an iPhone 11 with no service. Because the only connection to God that you're going to have is through prayer. 
So you better go down to T-Mobile, Verizon, AT&T, whatever you're at. Just stay away from the old hoopty, what's that one on? Uh, Metro, uh, ghetto, Obama phone. Don't, don't make it, man. get your own phone, man. Don't let Obama get you a phone. Get your own phone, man. Get a nice one. But even if you get that phone, you got to put a chip in it. See, don't come to church without your chip. Oh, my goodness. Most people come to church, and they'll come in here, and we'll say, let's pray, and you'll follow my lead, and you'll pray with me, right? Let's lift our hands and worship, and you'll worship with me, right? Right? But you're using my chip. You got to get your own chip. You got to go home and turn your phone on. And your only line of communication is when you get on your knees and start talking to God on your own. When you start really communicating God, that's when you penetrate the supernatural. It does no good if all you do is come here and go, oh, Heavenly Father, and you leave. Oh, that was a great service. No! Because when you leave, the service stays here. You got to get your own service. Prayer. You understand what I'm saying? And your prayer should be earnest, not just some, you know, a ritual kind of prayer. See, there's, a, there's a danger of our prayer degenerating into a dead form, degenerating into some ritual, right? See, if it degenerates into a ritual, that's worse than no prayer at all. We do it out of some kind of ritual. Why? Because, you know, like that's what I was getting earlier. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed name. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for now. Our Father, who art in heaven. Come on, get, throw the beads away. Hmm? Blow out the candle. Be like Teddy Pentecost, turn out the lights. Right? Get rid of that stuff. You got to get a hold of God. Earnest prayer. Uh, see, the simple remedy is to deepen the desire or sense of need which prompts us to pray you got to really want it prayer and lastly prayer should be patient don't expect your answer like that oh no true prayer has a patient confidence in God's power so we're praying nothing happens it's okay I'm going to keep praying like the, 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 the old lady. Why? Because I'm, I know God can do it. He just, for whatever reason, not the time, might, might, might hurt somebody else. Maybe there's something in my heart that I haven't dealt with yet and I haven't got the answer, but I'm going to keep praying. And then you pray again, nothing happens. It's okay because you're confident in God's power. God is able. So you keep praying. It ain't happening. Yeah, I've been praying for a year, Pastor. Well, keep praying. Get going. Keep doing it. Huh? I've been praying and nothing's going on. Just keep praying. Don't, get, don't stop. Keep praying. It is constantly and it's patient. Huh? I remember when, my, when, I, when I married my wife, she, she couldn't walk. She had a very a bad problem with her joints. She had one little handicap and she couldn't walk. And um, she actually thought, she told me later that because of that condition she had, that we weren't married yet, and I came to the Lord, and we separated. Maybe she thought I was like a little gay. Oh, I got rid of her. I got, I got saved, got rid of her. No. We separated because we didn't want to sin. Right? And so we separated, but she couldn't walk. She had a, a, a bad problem. And I said, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not, I'm not that kind of guy. You know, we're going to go to church. We're going to get married, do it right. 
and you're going to have kids because the doctor said she can't have kids no more and she couldn't walk. I go, well, the doctor's a liar because I don't know God very much, but I know one thing. That God delivered me in one day. One day I was doing all kinds of dirt, smoking all kinds of dope, putting things in my nose and my veins that I shouldn't be doing, drinking and doing all this stuff. And then one day I was that, the next day I was delivered from all of it. I was tripping. I was under anointing. I go, so I told him, God could do that. God, God, you're going to have kids and you're going to be able to walk. We got married. Within 11 months, we had Alicia. The doctor said, that can't happen. 11 months later, we had Albert. Huh? 12 months later, 13 months later, we had that boy, Anthony. Right? Because I believe God. No, no, God, God is a God who can do things. He can heal. In fact, when Anthony was, was there, the doctor told me to abort him. Told him, I was, oh, I got so mad. I go, not abort him. Or he's got some condition and you need to abort him. I was going to go, you are never my, my doctor. If I ever see you again, because I was new in the Lord, maybe two or three years. And I told Doc, if I ever see you again, I'm going to knock you out. You need to get away from me. I was so mad at this guy. You're trying to curse my son. Hmm? They told me to abort him. There he is. That's a life in the pit of hell. Right? But we prayed. We prayed for healing. She still wasn't healed. She was having babies and she still couldn't walk. We would pray and we'd pray and we'd pray and it just wasn't happening. I would have to help her roll over because she, she was almost crippled in, the, in her hip through doing th three pregnancies that she, she wasn't supposed to have one. But we believed God. We kept praying. We went to Modesto, California. I'll never forget the day. Roy de la Garza, we're going to have him here to do a miracle service. He was there and he prayed for her. And I knew she was healed, but after the service, nothing. I go, she was still walking all crooked and like, and I go, man, what? come on, God. Having this conversation with God, is something wrong? I know you can heal. Well, the next day, we went to, to dinner with um, Victor and Denise. We went to Yamamoto, never forget, because this is pretty heavy stuff in my mind. Yamamoto's restaurant, Japanese restaurant in San Francisco. Nice place. You go in there, right, and the tables are in the ground, and, and the waitress is coming, kimono, ding, 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 right? And they get down on their knees, and they take your, take your order. Oh, so, I, oh, that's pretty cool, right? And they're we're all, real nice. We're eating uh, Japanese food. Then we do the meal. And we said, let's go get some ice cream. You know, you always have room for ice cream. Right? So, yeah, let's go get some ice cream. So we leave Yamamoto, and the ice cream parlor was up the hill. If you've ever been to San Francisco, there's nothing flat in San Francisco. It's like this. Right? I mean, it's just up and down. Just like, that's just all. So we're at Yamamoto. We get out, and we start walking up the hill. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at my wife. and I wasn't checking her out, but I was kind of checking her out. So she's walking up the hill, and she was walking straight. She's walking straight. And I go, hey, Deborah. She goes, what? I go, you're walking straight. She goes, what? You're, and she didn't even know she was healed. I go, you're walking straight. There's no limb. She goes, there's no limb. Ah! And she, she got all excited, right? Remember that? I go, you're walking straight. You're healed. But we just kept praying and kept praying and kept praying and kept praying and kept praying. We didn't give up. Don't give up. Whatever you're going through, don't give up. If the prayer had the answer hasn't come, don't give up. 
God hears. God is trying to grow you in some way. He's trying to shape you in some form or fashion. I don't know. He knows. But I do know this. He knows when it's best and what to give you as you pray. Prayer. Prayer is a great thing. So don't give up. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.